Today's episode is brought to you by JustWorks. JustWorks helps businesses take care of their benefits, their healthcare, payroll, and HR. It's just that simple. We use it and absolutely love it here at Reboot. Grow your business and not your busy work. Get JustWorks. Learn more and to learn how we use it at Reboot, go to reboot.io slash JustWorks. Alumni of our CEO and co-founder boot camps often use two words to describe their experience. Life changing. Our 2016 bootcamp dates can be found at reboot.io slash bootcamps. Our co-founder bootcamp this year will be March 2nd through the 6th, and applications are open now. For more details on this and our 2016 CEO bootcamps, including our CEO bootcamp in Italy, view the full 2016 bootcamp calendar at reboot.io slash bootcamps. And, and yet I have a theory, too, that that our strength and our resiliency as a human being doesn't come merely from being able to celebrate the wins, but to also honor and recognize what the challenges were and whether or not we, quote, overcame them. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. Life doesn't run away from nobody. Life runs at people. Joe Frazier. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a dreary autumn Ohio day. The kind of day where you just want to lay around and do nothing. My girlfriend, who is now my wife, and I were driving to visit a family member of hers. And we were arguing. I have no idea what the argument was about, but I do remember feeling frustrated and annoyed and just wanting to turn the car around. And then my phone rang and my heart sank. My mom had been undergoing chemotherapy for breast cancer for almost a year at that point. And regretfully, I had just assumed it wasn't a big deal. She was young, 51, incredibly active, healthy, took really good care of herself. I thought we'd be through it in a year. I figured it was treatable. And I think my mom did too. The call was from her fiancé, Tom, which was immediately terrifying. When I got on the line and realized he had conferenced my sister in, it was exponentially more terrifying. I felt my heart race in the pit of my stomach. Andrea, Dan, your mom had a seizure last night. The lump in my throat restricted my breath. I felt short on air as I watched the traffic lines go by. They're running more tests, but it appears the cancer has spread to her brain. The final words were a giant blow to my gut. My world flipped upside down. I don't remember the rest of that drive. I don't remember the rest of that day. But I do remember dropping everything, moving home to be with my mom. She passed away two months after that call on December 18th, 2005. Ten years ago this Friday. I miss her every day. We don't get to choose the things that happen to us. We don't get to choose the things that happen to our loved ones either. But we do get to choose how we live with those things. How we take the blow, stay down, or get up. Losing my mom was a major blow. But I now hold a deep appreciation for how much that pain is stitched into the fabric of my life today. I had anger. I had frustration. 
I had deep sadness. But I also felt deep love and inspiration to do more, to feel more, to be more. That inspiration carried me to where I am in Reboot, who I am as a father and husband. And I'm so grateful for it. Our podcast guest today had her own great challenges, including real struggles at home that forced her to leave at the age of 12 and strike out on her own. She stitched those struggles into the fabric of her being, choosing to appreciate and utilize that pain into her work today. Carrie Berry joins the podcast to talk about her path from leaving home at 12, becoming an Olympic boxer, and ultimately an entrepreneur who owns and runs a boxing gym in Boulder, where people come to break a sweat, get a hug, and learn some valuable life lessons. She also happens to be, in a twist, a boxing coach for two of Reboot's finest, Jerry and Allie. Join Jerry in getting a little coaching and a lot of inspiration in this conversation with Carrie Berry. Hey, Carrie, how are you? Great, Jerry. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast here. And before we sort of dive in, why don't you just take a moment, introduce yourself and the company and uh, your co-founder and tell us a little bit about who you are. Definitely. Um, first, thanks for having me. This is awesome to get to do this. So I have the Corner Boxing Club. Um, I was co-founded with my wife, Kirsten, um, in June of 2014. So we've been open a little over a year and a half now. We're close to, actually, we're over 100 members. We're up to like a 110 as of mm. this morning. So mm. in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And and uh, we should add that uh, uh, this is a little bit different for us because as an entrepreneur, you're not a venture back tech entrepreneur, um, but uh, you and Kirsten have opened uh, a really special place. And I know firsthand because I'm not just a spokesperson. I'm a client. Um, and in fact, uh, even this morning, Carrie uh, kicked my butt and a good workout this morning. And I was huffing and puffing. And, and I have to be honest with you, Carrie. What I kept saying is, as you were pushing me harder and harder this morning, <laughs> that I was going to get you back today. <laughs> no problem. I believe I are on my calendar for next week. So <laughs> That's right. I always get the last laugh. We have a saying in boxing, be first and be last. So yeah, I like make that. Sure that happens. I like that. I like that. You, you have a, a few sayings in boxing, which I want to get to in a few minutes. But um, so, yeah. So here you are, you and your wife opened a boxing gym in boulder which everybody's like oh how does that work in boulder colorado because you know people Mm. imagine the rocky movies and that grit and everything and i'm like boxing attracts all likes all types Mm. and it's uh, it's a beautiful sport so Mm. everybody can gain from it and we have you know all likes and all walks in boulder so well you know tell tell us a little bit about your story i mean uh, your mid thirties, I won't name names, name ages, but <laughs> boxing. How did you get into boxing? Uh, I grew up in the Rocky movie era, um, and always was a fan of the sport, loved the sport and didn't actually know that I could compete until I tore my left ACL, um, my senior year of high school. And I used boxing as part of my rehab. because I was going to be playing collegiate sport and found out I was pretty good at it. 
mm-hmm. and got to start competing and got on the U.S. team and got to travel the world, which is something I would have never been able to do um, growing up in Detroit. And I just didn't have the means. Um, and through the sports, I discovered a family and a community and just opened up a lot of doors for me. So we know each other kind of well. When you, when you sweat together, you kind of yeah. get to know each other, right? And, Definitely. Um, you know, uh, in the podcast, people can't see it, but I just wrote a word down. Family. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it's big a, word for you, isn't it, Carrie? It's a huge word for me. So, um, you know, growing up in Detroit, you know, my parents divorced when I was younger and I moved out when I was 12 from my my mother's home and kind of every six months lived with different families. It was my own version of my startup every six months and learning to live with different people and going through those emotional dynamics of being brought into somebody else's family and then, you know, seeing what would happen and then moving on to a new family. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting experience. Um, And I guess, you know, I'm always been looking for that that feeling mm-hmm. and you know most people see on the outside of the sport of boxing they see you know the drama and all that in the pro fighting world and it's it's very dim- different in the amateur world you were a community we take care of each other I used to joke that the other coaches were my my aunts and my uncles and my competitors were my siblings because we literally would fight <laughs> physically mm-hmm. and you know but we were good friends outside of the ring and You know, my personal boxing coach, uh, Bashir Abdullah, who's a four-time Olympian, um, you know, he's the closest individual as a father figure that I have, and he's someone that I lean on to and, you know, send love you texts to and check in with them. So, Mm -hmm. You know, I'll I'll tell you something which um, I don't know if I've ever shared with you, but but I'll share it. you know, uh, we've talked a little bit about my own uh, history of growing up with a lot of violence and uh, and really, but also coming into adulthood, not really feeling comfortable in my own body, not really learning that I have an innate athleticism. And uh, about 14 years ago, uh, as many people who listen to the podcast know, as I sort of explored my own well, with no choice, uh, dealt with my own depression and really dove into that. One of the things I did was I came to a new relationship with my body and I came to understand my body in a really powerful and and important way. And in coming to relationship with my body, I found a way out of the, the, the depression. And I say this because when I moved to Boulder, which was just recently, and, you know, folks like my partner, Ali uh, Schultz here at Reboot and David Mandel, CEO of Pivot Desk, all said, you got to meet Carrie. You got to go to the Corner Boxing Club. And um, I was actually intimidated walking in. I, I, I think I used to joke that, that your wife, Kirsten, intimidates me. She still does. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Well, but, Coach Caviso intimidated you the most, I think, and he's the nicest of us all. That's right. That's right. Kusumo really, really intimidated me. But the thing that you did from the minute I walked in, do you, I don't know if you know this, but you hugged me. Hmm. 50 a day. It's a good dose. And, and that's what I noticed is that you walk in and everybody's hugging each other. And not like two fighters collapsing onto each other. What, what, you know, whatever Roberto Duran say, no mas, no mas. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in a kind of like 
I don't care if you're a fit. I don't care if you fit somebody else's notion of who you should be. I don't care if you think of yourself as a boxer. I don't care if you think of yourself as an athlete. You are welcome. That, yeah, it's a, tell me. It's, it's so important. I mean, it's, and I'll be honest with you, before boxing, I didn't really hug. I was very, you know, tight to myself, emotionally, physically, everything in my expression. And boxing really opened me up to be, I mean, me and my super heavyweight, he's a 6'6", Russian, blonde, engineer. Um, we both joked that before boxing, we were tough guys. And now we can't even watch a little kitty video on YouTube without, you know, dropping a couple of tears because it, it lets you be comfortable with your soft side. It lets you, you know, open up to other people and be vulnerable because you have the confidence that, yeah, it's okay to be vulnerable. Like, you know, but I'm strong too. Mm-hmm. And you get to have those two sides. And, um, you know, after a match, the first thing we do normally with my opponent is we embrace. We give yeah. each other hugs. We go over to the opposing coaches. We give each other hugs. I mean, it's a part of that, you know, camaraderie that we have with each other. And I feel like it's so important when we welcome people into the corner that we they truly feel like they can be a part of our community and that, that they belong. Um I have a great mentor into the physical sciences and the coaching. Um, my background's originally in sports medicine and physical therapy. And, you know, play coach me. Every person that I meet, every child, every adult, they all are players. They're all athletes in their own individual, unique way. Everybody's a coach, meaning they can all be a leader. They have something to share and teach others. And everybody's a teammate, meaning they can inspire and motivate the people around them. And that's something that I, I want to you know, teach others and show them that they have that within themselves, no matter what age or gender, or, you know, background. So, you know, you're, you're saying it so well. And, and you know, I, I just I, I hear your innate leadership coming out, but I also hear that innate connectedness to your own heart. And, and I recognize that for you, that wasn't always the case, that there was a, um, you know, I mean, you just casually dropped it a little bit of a psychological bomb, right? Yeah, I moved out of my mother's house when I was 12. Yeah. You were 12. Yeah. 12. Which, yeah, people have that reaction. And for me, it's like, yeah, I was 12, but it it doesn't hold. But there's a learning curve that, you know, was accelerated for me about being able to be connected with other people. You know, I had to learn how to live with different types of individuals and different families and you know, pick up on, you know, physical cues and emotional cues really fast. And that took me time. You know, in the beginning, one of the reasons why I moved so often is that my response to picking up on those cues was to shut down and kind of close myself out from what I saw happening and within the family dynamics. And we don't need to go down that road. But, you know, I would, try to, I would cut myself off to try to stop that from progressing, not realizing, well, that's not my cause it was just things that were being brought out that were already there within the family what 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 sorts of things were there in the family because you know it's jerry we're going to go there yeah of course <laughs> you know sometimes the simplest thing mm. is i'm a new person and they, the family that they always had the best of intentions of bringing me in and this was going to be the family that was going to make the change for me and really i was going to get to be a part of it but then someone would get jealous because carrie was getting some sort of attention mm. or this or that would happen and that would change that relationship dynamics and I would start to notice that and then it might carry over into another relationship within mm-hmm. the family so I would just pull back mm-hmm. you know, oh maybe if I'm not you know not myself 
Mm-hmm. I'll stop giving the attention from the person that's, you know, maybe the the part of the jealousy. Mm-hmm. So, and what would happen to you as a result of that? Uh, I wouldn't deal with, you know, I I wasn't able to at that at that young age to recognize that this isn't me. So that that guilt would come about, you know, that I'm the one causing this. Right. Now as an adult and I'm going through my own experiences of life, I can recognize that. It wasn't me. I might have been some sort of marker for it to bring it out, but it wasn't me. It was already there. Mm-hmm. So, and hopefully, you know, looking back, those families were able to recognize that through time. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I know for myself, I've been able to recognize that, which I'm very grateful that I've had people be able to help me through those through my adult life. Right, right. And, I know that part of your adult journey included time in the Army. Yes. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I went in. um, Actually, I started training boxing with the Army's boxing team. Um, I'd always wanted to live in Colorado. I love Colorado. I came out here my senior year. And through life and opportunity, um, I ended up in Kansas and Nashville, and I had a chance to come out here to Colorado Springs and train at the Olympic Training Center and then with the Army Coach Abdullah's team. I was still a civilian at that time, but I had permission. Um, in 2009, when they announced women's boxing was going to be an Olympic sport, um, first person I called on the phone was Coach Abdullah. I said, what are they going to do? Are they going to bring in females now for the team? And he's like, well, I'm not sure. And I'm like, well, will they bring me on if I commit? Because I was, you know, the number one in the U.S. at my weight class. And he's, he got all excited, went back, asked command, came back and said, come in. They're, they want to bring you in. So that's how I ended up getting into the Army. And it was an interesting, maturing uh, experience for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 29 at the time. And when I found out my drill sergeant was younger than me, that was really interesting. <laughs> and I actually had a couple moments where I locked up my own, was a mentor to my own drill sergeant, but uh, or one of my drill sergeants. But that experience and that camaraderie um, mm-hmm. that I gained and just learning to work those dynamics, that's mm-hmm. um, a long conversation there. But... Through that experience, I really do believe that every person who's able-bodied um, and able mind should serve because there's so much to gain from that experience mm-hmm. of respect and working together. And there's a, there's a lot of good um, that can come about from that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a giant team. It's another sense of a family, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it, the camaraderie. And that's why you see so many, why it's so good for lost kids to go into the army and you hear these stories of kids that barely made it through boot camp because they got in so much trouble and then 15 20 years down the line they're master sergeants or command sergeant majors and they, it changes their life because they find those anchors and that responsibility and the being uplifted mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and being rewarded for the good which mm-hmm. they never had when they were younger mm-hmm. So what I'm sensing is, and we've talked about this before because one of the podcasts I know you listened to was the conversation I had with Tanisha Robinson, uh, who has that uh, printing company in Ohio. And uh, we talked then a lot about the sense of belonging and creating a company where uh, the sense of belonging was really powerful. And she quite beautifully linked it to what she described as being hyper-marginalized, you know, in a sense, taking what was a wound and turning it into something, you know, what I would like to call a superpower. Yeah. Right. And 
you know, I see you, I know you, I love you, and I can see something similar going on. Yes, definitely. Am, am I right in that? Oh, for sure. Um, it's why I'm in the profession of coaching. It's why I love to teach. I was going to go be a history teacher at first. Mm. When um, I went to Ofte University and then I discovered sports medicine in that world and being able to help people through physical wounds. And then I learned more about it, that it's more than the physical, it's the emotional wound that comes with that. And through the sport of boxing, um, I'm able to do both and be able to help people through physical, emotional wounds. I'm able to teach them something that's a very valuable art, mm. um, whether they're doing it just for health like yourself mm. or like Leo, who's aspiring to be an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, it's powerful. The reason why we call it the corner boxing club, it's not because we're on the corner. Um, kind of drives me. I wish we weren't on the corner <laughs> of the street, um, but we are. But it's because what the corner of the ring, that red and blue corner that you see where athletes start the rounds in and come back to, it's a place that we always come back to between rounds. It's a place where we have support. We have rejuvenation. You get the kick in the ass that you need. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted our space to kind of encompass and be is that place that you always come back to and you find what you need mm-hmm. not to sound like the cheers theme song but that's that's what we really wanted yeah um, and that even comes down to the our logo the icon you're actually it looks like wings but you're also looking into the corner of the ring mm-hmm. well you know I, I I don't know that people realize that that's what the phrase someone having somebody in your corner really yeah. means yeah. it means literally, when life is kicking the shit out of you and you can barely open your eyes because you've been beaten and you look over your shoulder and somebody's wiping your brow or putting their arm around you and telling you either keep going or you're done. Yeah. And even when you're having the good round, when things are still going good, that people are there to pat you on the back like, good job. You know, we... Too often we don't, you know, recognize that, oh, we get that jealousy or, oh, that guy's doing good. or They still need them. Keep keep them moving because, yeah, they may be doing good in that one thing that you're seeing, but there's other areas, mm-hmm. you know, that they might not. So you need to always, whether the ups and the downs, mm-hmm. always recognize that and, you know, hold on to it. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, they're like, oh, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing wonderful. You know, I, I live in a beautiful place. I have a beautiful company, a beautiful wife, you know. But I also recognize life has its up and downs. And I'm storing up these memories right now and all these good times to be able to hold me through if we go through a rough patch. Because mm-hmm. that's a part of life. And that's something that I kind of accept. But, you know, and even during that rough part, I'm going to learn. You know, that's always going to be my focus. And mm-hmm. that's kind of learned from boxing. Because, yeah, I've, went, I've lost. And people are like, well, what's your record? I honestly have no clue. I had over 150 competitive bouts. Mm-hmm. My attitude in the moment when I was a competitor was the only thing that mattered is my next bout. Mm-hmm. You know, if I won the next bout. Now that I'm a coach, I wish I had um, enjoyed the wins more and mm-hmm. taken that into the ring with me and, you know, had that confidence and not put so much pressure on myself about the next one. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? I'm a, I should have carried on, you know, being the champion that I was. Um but now I, I know that now as a coach to be to instill that on my athletes and the people that I work with. Right, right. I know that your impulse is always so positive, and uh, uh, and and yet I have a theory too that 
that our strength and our resiliency as a human being doesn't come merely from being able to celebrate the wins, but to also honor and recognize what the challenges were and whether or not we, quote, overcame them, those losses, if you will. And, you know, I can only begin to imagine what it must have been like to move from family to family, looking for a sense of belonging, only to be thrust out in one form or another, either in, re- in actuality or emotionally. Yeah. It was or, painful. It, I mean, there were some really dark, I mean, all the way through college. And, you know, even once I started competing, you know, there's some tough moments in my life, you know, trying to find myself, trying to figure out, you know, the the victim mode, if you will, or whatever you want to label it as. I don't think of it as a victim to recognize that you have had loss. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, But just being able to recognize why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And now, of course, retrospectively, I can look back and see, well, this is why it happened. This is what exactly every piece of me is made up of all of that. that, That's the cloth of me. That's why I can have the attitude I have now Mm -hmm. is that, I've been through some some lows mm-hmm. and being able to recognize that and but then also those lows make me enjoy the ups that I have right now mm. you know and and prepare for anything else that can come in the future mm. Kirsten and I were looking at each other the other day and just talking about what's going on we just bought a home and mm. you know our business is doing well and we're doing amazing things in our community you know, we're able to focus more on what we want to do in the community we're starting our 501c3 mm-hmm. you know and we're just like, we have such a, a great life. Mm-hmm. We have wonderful people in our life. Mm-hmm. And it's because we can recognize that. We've both been through some downs and some hard parts, and we can recognize and really value those relationships mm-hmm. and invest in them and invest in our own relationship with each other mm-hmm. and not take it for granted. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I can make an observation, I think there's a direct link between the life that you have created for yourselves through this business and your willingness to open your arms 50 times a day and hug, you know, it's like you're there and, you know, you just made reference to your 501c3. I know that, that, that there's this profound commitment the two of you have to giving back, Um, whether it's, 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 you know, I mean, we were joking even this morning that there was a pile of wraps, hand wraps in the corner. And I said, who's who's getting punished by having to sort through that entire <laughs> massive pile? And the truth is there there are kids who come in who find family, don't they? No. At the corner no. boxing club. Yep. We have, um, you know, we work with the Impact Boulders um, diversion program and their probation program and then we have our family learning centers, which is another nonprofit that those are elementary age kids that come in that we're hoping never end up in diversion or probation. That's really my goal there. And Justice High School, which is a juvie last chance type of high school. And then I have my Parkinson's group that comes in on Saturday mornings and um, Programma Campaneras and um, Phoenix Multisport, which is a sober active community. I mean, there's so many different groups and different pieces of our community that we're able to help. Mm -hmm. Um, either by giving space or giving time. And for me, that's so important. Um, Why? Why is it so important? Because I have a first, um, you know, just looking from the company side, I have a company that profits off of my community. 
and it just, to me, I'm making profit off of Boulder, it makes sense to do something to improve Boulder beyond what my company does. Mm. You know, finding those little extra pieces. But also, it's a drive that I have to. If I didn't do something of value, I, that's when I get anxious. That's mm. when I get depression or anxiety. Because mm. I'm not doing anything that I feel that is changing my community. Mm. Um, Tuesdays with Maury's is one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. um, I'll probably misquote it right now, but essentially there's a quote in there that says, if you want to give meaning to your life, devote yourself to your community, to loving others, and to creating something that gives you meaning and purpose. And I actually have Debbie Sal um, tattooed on my left forearm. So that when I hug people, I don't know if you guys know that when mm -hmm. I hug you, sometimes I can peek over if it's a shorter person, not you, mm -hmm. and I can read that Debbie Sal. So say, say it again slowly, Devi Sao? Devi Sao. It means devotion in uh, Portuguese. So it's just my own reminder to myself of why I do what I do. You know, I'm giving myself my life, that meaning, that purpose, that when I was younger, I was trying to find, like, why is this? Why am I here? Why am I going through the things I'm going through? And now I know why. You know, I can sense when other people are going through something or they're a little off that day. I mean, we've had... You know, individuals come in that nobody else picked up on it, but there's just enough of that 1% shift within them that I'm like, something's going on there. And then, you know, maybe I find out later on, all oh, their parents are going through a divorce or this is happening or, you know, a loved one just found out they had cancer. And I normally it will come out throughout the session <laughs> that I'm working with them. You know, I try not to pry too much. Normally you guys kind of... I could make some good money off of you guys giving all your secrets away, but um, nah. um, a lot comes out in those sessions because it's beyond just the physical part. You know, I've heard it said that 80s was all my therapist says, and now it's my trainer says. And it's very true because we have a unique opportunity as physical coaches or as a boxing coach or a physical fitness professional to be able to help people beyond the physical part. Yeah, you know, so I, 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 I can with your body. Yeah, I can speak to it because uh, I've had other trainers before and I've been very close to them. And and but I can speak to your capacity and it reminds me of my own work in working with someone. You know, the content of what I may be working with is, um, you know, the corpus, if you will, the body of their company. Whereas you're working with the corpus, if you will, the body of who that person is. And, and there's a look, you know, it's 7.30 in the morning and you haven't had enough coffee and you're asking me to run backwards and, you know, shift my hips around and move in ways that my brain isn't wired to. And one of the things that's happening is you're, you're getting me to drop into my body and experience myself, my own sense of being in a different way, which then allows some of the more difficult things to come forward. It doesn't have to be a big old therapy session. It's just like two human beings coming together around that experience. Does this resonate with you? Yes, definitely. I mean, people probably think I'm a little bit goofy or crazy because I'm, I'm very excited about what I do. Um, but I get so excited when you guys get a combination or I mm -hmm. see that little piece of growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another reason why I love coaching because mm -hmm. I have a chance to see personal growth, physical growth. I mean, I've had clients that I've been working with for seven years mm -hmm. and been through a big portion, a big chunk of, you know, life changes for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I've gotten to see so much positive growth mm -hmm. and it's exciting. It's, mm -hmm. it's so exciting. 
but especially, I mean, I, Ali, I was telling you this morning, now does like seven punch combination of physical movement, then comes back with another three punch combination. And granted, maybe eight out of 10 of them, she doesn't land perfectly, but those two out of 10 that she lands perfectly, it's exciting for me because that's a big deal to do those. Right. Um, and then for her to start to see that growth and right. take ownership of it. Right. Right. I hear you. So, you know, I, what I'm, what I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm seeing a more complete picture is why this company, this enterprise is so important to you and Kirsten. Um, it's about healing the past, you know, and I relate to this. It's about, it's about in effect, reaching back in time and saving that wounded version of you over and over again. You know, and this is a very powerful Buddhist concept, which I think you are innately feel, which is that, first of all, we all have the capacity to be Buddhas ourselves. We just do. Just as we all have the capacity to be leaders, we all have the capacity to be athletes, we all have the capacity to be coaches. But there's also this notion that the way we overcome our own internal dukkha, existential suffering, is to focus on someone else's needs. And it's that it's a it's such a profoundly different way of thinking about healing ourselves. Oh, I heal myself by putting my energy into the other person. Does this resonate with you? Yeah. And I would also say it's not just saving that, you know, 12 year old mm -hmm. Carrie Berry, but it's, it's also not wasting it or wasting her time or her experience because that experience was valuable to her. You know, she learned a lot through that. And I don't want to waste what I was taught, whether I, you know, go back and forth. Or if I could change it, would I change it? No. You know, are there some days when I think, well, what, what would it have been like to have been, you know, in that all-American, two-parent family type of, who would I have been then? Um, I wonder about it, but I, I wouldn't change it because I love who I am. Mm. I can truly say that today. Um, I couldn't have said that 10 years ago. So I don't want to waste that experience because now I can help a kid and I can relate to that kid when, you know, their family, they're having that turmoil or we see that, you know, one of my kids is he's on a good path. Everything's going right for him. He's making some positive changes, but I start to see him kind of almost on that cusp of self-sabotage. And I can recognize that and be like, look, you deserve this. Mm -hmm. You know, you deserve the good that's happening to you because we Sometimes we'll shut that down. Mm -hmm. You know, when we see others around us aren't experiencing that good. Um, so being able to recognize that and share that and hope that I can help somebody else um, through a rough patch. Mm. You know, I, I really, really relate to the notion of not wasting what has happened to you. And, you know, if I can share with you a bit, um, many years ago, uh, seven years ago now, I did a vision quest. I did a water-only fast in the desert of Utah. Um, and in that fast, uh, one of the things that came to me, and there were a lot of things that came to me, and by the way, there were no drugs involved. But one of the things that came to me was a poem. And I won't bore the audience with the whole poem, but, but in, in the poem, the poem is called Listen. And there's a line in there which is that me speaking to myself saying, you were not born only to lament your pain. You were born to grow. Go and listen. Listening is an act of love. And 
I, you know, when you were talking about not wasting the lessons and or the or the experiences, the good and the bad, the totality that that created, as you said it so beautifully, the fabric of who you are. Um, I was reminded of that own calling to myself, which said, "Okay, so you had a rough upbringing. What are you going to do about that?" Uh, yeah. Right. You yeah. relate to that. Definitely. Right? See, Brooklyn and Detroit get along. Yeah, we get along great. We know. (laughs) (laughs) We got the grit and we know it's how we're stoic. You know, we don't wallow in our sorrows. You find a way and you buckle down and get through it. Right. And and you help somebody else if you can along the way. Right. But if I can, not by not being vulnerable. That is not by not by shutting down. Because there's a misunderstanding of that stoical Yes. grit-like nature, which is that uh-huh. I don't feel. And no, that's, no, you hey, you yeah. feel even more deeply. Yes. But you feel and you act anyway. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's, um, you know, Customato talks about, you know, the hero and the coward. Mm-hmm. And they both feel the same. And, 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 the, and this was Mike Tyson's coach. Yes, yes Mike yes. Tyson's Customato. He's, he's a coach that, you know, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a coach that I personally look up to as, you know, kind of, I have a handful of coaches I really kind of look to. Um, and he talks about, you know, the difference between the hero and the coward is what they do, not how they feel. Mm-hmm. And people remember you by what you do, not how you feel. Mm-hmm. So and he, he really kind of taught Mike that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at Mike and like, oh, he was crazy. He was tough. He was this. He's that. No, he was scared. He's a scared Mm-hmm. young man he was a scared mm-hmm. older man and even today um but it was all on what he did and mm-hmm. that's what you remember him by mm-hmm. 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 i hear you so let's let's jump to the company for a moment yep. tell, tell me where you guys are and 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 you know we've we've spoken a little bit about some of the challenges now congratulations 110 members yeah that's a great milestone oh it's great yeah we're excited um, you know, the whole social media when you even hit a thousand likes on Facebook. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's a number. But it must mean something is happening good. Uh, now we, you know, we were really lucky the way everything worked out. Um, we bootstrapped. Um, we got some free rent, all that kind of stuff. And we've been able to be in the black every single month since we opened. We were to bring on another coach, um, Coach Camiso, who I mentioned earlier. He's a three-time Olympian from Botswana. Um, I met him through the IOC, and you know, I'm really good at putting things out there or writing down. You know, I got a little board where I write down what I'm grateful for and what I hope to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'll be damned if some of those things that I want to happen don't happen. Um, mm-hmm. I was hoping to find a coach that added diversity to our gym because you know, anybody who's been in Boulder, it's you know, a little bit lacking on diversity. And um, also I wanted a coach who was bilingual. Kirsten is bilingual. I uh, I aspire to learn Espanol, so, <laughs> but I'm not there yet. Um, Kumiso studied um, in Cuba, boxing, and he got his college degree there. So he's completely bilingual, mm-hmm. more trilingual. And he's a wonderful addition to our coaching staff. I mean, we all are very different, but we all are on the same um, line or the same path, you know, the same goals, the same passions, but we just approach things very differently. I mean, mm-hmm. Camiso's a, he's a funny guy. 
um, when we first got him here. Mm-hmm. We had him a place, and um, Aveda was very excited about him living there. And she's like, how do you like it? And he was like, it's okay. <laughs> and her face was just like, what does that mean? Like, and we had yeah. explained to him what, you know, okay here isn't what okay is in Botswana. Yeah. And we're actually going to get a, a shirt made for the corner that, and on the back it's going to be, it's okay. It's okay. His, his attitude is if you're okay, I'm okay. You yeah. know, he's a very laid back guy. It took forever for me to even find out all of his accolades and what he's accomplished. Yeah. Um, so continuing that growth and, you know, I would love to be able to add on another coach to our staff. Um, I would like it to be one of our younger athletes that we can mentor up. I have a young man, Zach Key, who is just really stepped up. We, he's only 15 now. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be 16 in January. But we got him through diversion. And he's doing amazing things in school and his growth. And it's a 180 since June. I mean, he came in and he hemmed and hawed with his mother about having to be at the gym for six hours. And that was at 9 a.m., and at 8.30 p.m. that night, I was giving him a ride home. Yeah. And that's kind of been him every single day. And, you know, I hope within a year when he turns 17 that, you know, I'm having him teach a couple of classes. Right. Um, and showing him, you know, you can do a lot of good in the life. Because he's, he's got a great spirit. And everybody in the gym loves him. He's got a great personality. I know just like myself, he's been through some, you know, pain in his upbringing. And I know that this type of profession, the coaching profession, the teaching profession can be very rewarding for him mm-hmm. and possibly help heal or put to use some of those life experiences he's had. So um, I, I see some of the things that you're trying to hold on to. How do I grow the business? Yeah. How do I scale? How do I make sure it continues to be a family for everybody? Yeah. Right. How do I make sure that the, you've said this to me before, the quality of the the, the experiences up to the standards. Yeah. Uh, am I naming the challenges? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big piece as we grow, you know, now I'm at the point of on our, our, our membership, our paying members, what really pays our bills. You know, when do I decide, okay, we're going to, we don't do any marketing. We don't do any advertising. You know, my, my viewpoint is, why would I spend that money when I can, that's why we work with all these local nonprofits because they kind of get our name out there and put the word out there for us. You know, I don't really want to spend money on some print ad that, mm. you know, like you've said, you don't, people have one perception of what boxing is. So to me, a print ad isn't very useful to us because they have this one viewpoint, but a word of mouth does say something. Mm-hmm. So by us being able to open our doors and bring all these people in, they talk about us, um, so as we grow, I don't really know how to stifle growth almost on the paying side. And that's kind of, yep. I don't want to sound arrogant or whatever, but I'm, I'm fearful of losing that um, small gym feeling. I mean, okay. I'd like to so I, I'm going to suggest to you, because I'm a big fan of the phrase superpower, superpower and kryptonite, right? Because revealing that I'm a Superman fan. <laughs> and uh, the superpower here isn't just the quality of the coaching experience. The superpower is what you've just been talking about all along, which is how do we create an experience where everyone is welcome? Yeah. Everyone has a sense of belonging. Everyone comes really in one of the most vulnerable states. I remember being completely out of shape. And my first personal trainer was a guy named Emmanuel. And when he clapped because I completed one complete revolution with the jump rope, I thought he was making fun of me. 
And then when I realized that that's what he really felt, I could relax because there was a vulnerability in me because I was the fat kid on the playground who could not participate in sports until I discovered my own innate capability. So, you know, as your coach now in this moment, what I would say to you is, is honing and holding on to the sense of purpose, the sense of meaning that you've crafted, you and Kirsten have crafted in this very special place. In a sense, that's the safeguard against the loss of quality as you grow. It should always be a place where people walk in and get hugged, even if they're physically not actually being hugged. Yeah. Right? Because Kusumo is not going to hug people in the same way. No. 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 I do a fist bump with Kusumo. Yeah. I pretty much make him give me a hug. I pull him in. He knows how I am. But it's the same feeling. It's the same feeling. And, and, you know, I, I speak not only as a coach, but as a customer. Right. And so as you, as you think about it, you know, one of the other things you're going to be grappling with is and, and you know, I, I smile because we've talked about this a little bit. We have the same challenges at Reboot. Right. We've got we've we've caught lightning in a bottle here. That's great. And every week we cha- we're challenged with how do we hold on to what is unique about the services and uh, that we offer while simultaneously continuing to meet what is obviously a need in the marketplace, you know, and not every startup and not every organization is fortunate enough to that. But I think that we, 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 we have something very much in common, which is, um, as I often say, we've built companies built on love. Yes. Right. And that's right. And love, family, a sense of belonging, and, you know, you don't think of that when you when you walk into a gym, when you walk into a boxing gym. But implicit in that logo, implicit in the wish to have somebody in your corner is love. And I, I, I mean, my real goal, and we have it, is I love looking at, we have a great class and it's a packed house, but it's like it wouldn't even matter if I was there. Because, or any of us coaches were there because mm. the relationships between our athletes or our members are so strong. Mm. Mm. You know, and that's that's what I want to maintain and hold on to is that those relationships, you know, are strong and people know who each other are and they love working with each other, not just with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so those relationships are also important within mm. our community mm-hmm. and driving that. Well, you know, as, as a fan and as a client and as a friend, it feels to me that, you know, I would just say, keep going. Keep going exactly as you're going. You know, your innate sensibilities about what works and what doesn't, quality of the experience is all there. Um, and it's beautiful. I have one last question, okay? And there's a really famous quote that you often use and I don't actually fully understand what it means and you know what the quote is <laughs> slow is smooth smooth is fast what the heck are you talking about <laughs> so many people when they're they're first trying to learn something mm-hmm. they rush it you know they they see what they, they envision what they see on tv and 
going at that speed and that's what they have to do. And no, they don't see all the years that were behind being able to do that. So slowing something down and feeling it and then that smoothness becomes the speed. Mm-hmm. You'll see, um, well, maybe I'll have you spar a couple of pros when they come in, Sammy. But a lot of pros, I've sparred with them, some uh, very talented Olympians and high-level athletes. And, um, you know, you'll be sparring, and they'll slow everything down. Mm-hmm. And But they'll touch you. You'll see the punch coming. It's so smooth and so slow, and you admire it, and then it hits you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's the slowest, smooth, smoothest, fast. It's just relaxing into the rhythm and not forcing it yeah yeah and trying to smooth things out yeah um it's like when you're riding a motorcycle you just flow into Mm. the turns you don't force the turn that's beautiful you know i mean the truth is i thought i sort of understood it because it felt very much like a zen saying and um the the truth is i think it's brilliant advice for every single entrepreneur out there and because the fear causes us to speed up and the truth is if you really want to be effective and fast and land those punches you actually have to slow down at first so that you can then get to that other place so it's a dance am i am i getting that right exactly that was i mean with our growth i didn't rush our growth with our members about hitting any you know numbers you know, because I wanted to make sure that we grew in a sense with our coaching staff that in the welcoming and us learning how to have a, a, a company and a gym, mm. you know, that, that slowness created smoothness and created, and now, now we're able to handle and it looking back, it was fast, but we didn't feel fast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we didn't approach it in a fast like way. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to be slow and smooth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show with us and 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 uh thank you for being my coach thank you jerry it's it's a pleasure to have the mutual relationship so you coach me too so i really value your relationship i'm grateful that ali and david uh, introduced us yeah me too me too Head over to Reboot.io slash podcast, where you'll see the notes from this show, as well as key quotes, guest bio information, key links, transcript, and more. And if you really value this podcast, and you've been moved by some of the things you've heard, consider coming on for an episode, because you sharing your story is the way we collectively make this podcast special. So if you'd be interested in coming on the show, go to Reboot.io slash podcast. Oh, long till my soul gets it right